This is the Poetry Foundation's Essential American Poets podcast. Essential American Poets is an online audio poetry collection. The poets in the collection were selected in 2006 by Donald Hall when he was Poet Laureate. Recordings of the poets he selected are available online at poetryfoundation.org and poetryarchive.org. In this edition of the podcast, we'll hear poems by Richard Hugo. Richard Hugo's poems often begin with a piece of the world glimpsed from a car window or from inside a bar, and they become rhythmic and evocative portraits of the rusting towns of the Pacific Northwest. Richard Hugo was born Richard Hogan in 1923. His parents lived in the Seattle suburb of White Center, a place Hugo describes as just outside the boundary of the civilized world. When his father abandoned him and his teenage mother, she gave her baby to her parents. She married a man named Herbert Hugo a short time later, though she did not take the young Richard to come live with them. Still, at the age of 20, he adopted his stepfather's last name as his own. Hugo served as a bombardier in World War II, flying 35 missions over the Mediterranean. Upon his return, Hugo studied writing at the University of Washington with Theodore Retke and earned his B.A. and M.A. in literature. Upon graduation in 1950, Hugo took a job as a technical writer for Boeing. He would stay there for 13 years, during which he published his first book of poems, A Round of Jacks. That book led to an offer to teach creative writing and literature at the University of Montana in Missoula. Hugo took the position and taught there for 18 years. From 1965 until 1980, he published several books, including Death of the Kapausen Tavern, Good Luck in Cracked Italian, and What Thou Lovest Well Remains American. In 1974, at the age of 50, he married Ripley Hansen and helped raise her two children. In 1979, Hugo published The Triggering Town, a collection of essays on poetry. The book would become one of his most significant legacies. In it, Hugo warns poets against writing what you know. For Hugo, a triggering town is a jumping-off point. It's always a town that has seen better days. Critic Michael Allen says the subjects of Hugo's poems are often failed towns, isolated people, and communities imprisoned in walls of boredom and rage. But he also points out their optimism and a hope that, as Hugo puts it, humanity will always survive civilization. Richard Hugo died in 1982. His autobiography, The Real West Marginal Way, was published posthumously in 1987. The following poems were recorded at the Library of Congress in 1975. I see, we'll go to Montana for a few poems. You might come here Sunday on a whim. Say your life broke down. The last good kiss you had was years ago. You walked these streets laid out by the insane, past hotels that didn't last, bars that did the tortured try of local drivers to accelerate their lives. Only churches are kept up. The jail turns 70 this year. The only prisoner is always in, not knowing what he's done. The principal supporting business now is rage, hatred of the various grays the mountain sends, hatred of the mill, the silver bill repeal, the best-like girls who leave each year for butte, one good restaurant and bars can't wipe the boredom out. The 1907 boom, eight going silver mines, 
a dance floor built on springs, all memory resolves itself in gaze. In panoramic green, you know the cattle eat, or two stacks high above the town, two dead kilns, the huge mill, and collapse for 50 years that won't fall finally down. Isn't this your life, that ancient kiss still burning out your eyes? Isn't this defeat so accurate the church bell simply seems a pure announcement, ring and no one comes? Don't empty houses ring, our magnesium and scorn sufficient to support a town, not just Phillipsburg, but towns of towering blondes, good jazz and booze the world will never let you have until the town you came from dies inside. Say no to yourself, the old man 20 when the jail was built, still laughs, although his lips collapse. Someday soon, he says, I'll go to sleep and not wake up. You tell him no, you're talking to yourself. The car that brought you here still runs. The money you buy lunch with, no matter where it's mined, is silver, and the girl who serves you food is slender, and her red hair lights the wall. Thanks very much. Uh, I think I'll do a couple softball poems. Uh, I come from uh, what used to be called the, the working classes, or if you don't want to be so nice about it, the lower classes, and uh, grew up with, with these attitudes, you know, uh, that a lot of people from that background grew up with. And one attitude I had was that if I were to go out into life and compete for what we normally think of as the rewards of life, that is to say money or the love of a beautiful woman, that I was just automatically doomed to, to a failure. And it, it was probably a good thing I, I had that attitude too because that's the way things worked out uh, <laughs> for, uh, for a long time. And so I took my competitive instincts to the, to the play, you know, to softball. And uh, I still am very sympathetic to, to people who, who take their play more seriously than their work. Uh, and in all the years I played baseball and softball, and it was a long time, I never did anything, I, I, I never took anything I did for a living with the same seriousness with, with which I took the games I was playing. And you may know people like this, They're, they take their bowling league, you know, more seriously than their job. And uh, all those years, I, uh, I tried to write a softball poem, but I always ended up in the last half of the last inning with the bases loaded and the count, you know, just terrible. <laughs> uh, and anyway, um, I, uh, I had to quit drinking a few years ago. I was an extremely heavy drinker, and I had to give it all up completely. And uh, uh, I found that when you do this, your vision changes of the world. There are a lot of things that that, uh, that you didn't know or, or assumed to be true about the world that really aren't. For example, a, a lot of people are sober. Uh, uh, I just assumed everybody was, uh, was drunk, you see. And uh, 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 another thing that you can't help but notice is that a certain number of women aren't very attractive. Uh, 
but but I, I, I think the worst thing about it all was that I was left with enormous amounts of time. Uh, I, I would write in the morning, I was getting a lot of writing done, and then I would just have nothing to do. And so I started going back to the softball games, just as a spectator in Missoula. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'll try this one more time. Uh, this, uh, uh, one of the women who plays on the women's teams uh, is also a social worker, and she brought about 15, 20 of her charges to the games. These were young people suffering from, maybe some of them were retarded, I, I don't know, maybe some had other problems. And I watched the game again, but I kind of watched them. And then I got to thinking about how we cripple ourselves, you know, with habits of mind and the way we feel about ourselves. Uh, so I did that. This is called The Freaks at Spurgeon Road Field. The dim boy claps because the others clap. The polite word, handicapped, is muttered in the stands. Isn't it wrong the way the mind moves back? One whole day I set contrite, dirt, L.A. Union Station, 46, sweating through last night. The dim boy claps because the others clap. Score five to three, pitcher fading badly in the heat. Isn't it wrong to be or not be spastic? Isn't it wrong the way the mind moves back? I'm laughing at a neighbor girl beaten to scream by a savage father and I'm ashamed to look. The dim boy claps because the others clap. The score is always close. The rally always short. I've left more wreckage than a quake. Isn't it wrong the way the mind moves back? The afflicted never cheer in unison. Isn't it wrong the way the mind moves back to stammering pastures where the picnic should have worked? The dim boy claps because the others clap. This is an awfully good audience. Uh, uh, you applaud almost every poem. I, uh, out in Montana, you're lucky if they do anything at the end. I'd, uh, <laughs> Those who favor our plan to alter the river, raise your hand. Thank you for your vote. Last week, you'll recall, I spoke about how water never complains, how it runs where we tell it seemingly at home, flooding grain or pinched by geometric banks like those in this graphic depiction of our plan. We ask for power. A river falls or boils to turn our turbines. The river approves our plans to alter the river. Due to a shipwreck downstream, I'm sad to report our project is not on schedule. The boat was carrying cement for our concrete rip-rap bullistrade that will force the river to run east of the factory site through the state-owned grove of cedar. Then the uncooperative carpenters union went on strike. When we get that settled and the concrete, uh, given good weather, we can go ahead with our plan to alter the river. We have the injunction. We silence the opposition. The workers are back. The materials arrived and everything's humming. I thank you for this award. 
This handsome plaque I'll keep forever above my mantle, and I'll read the inscription often aloud to remind me how, with your courageous backing, I fought our battle and won. I'll always remember this banquet, this day we started to alter the river. I got another stanza. <laughs> Flowers on the bank, a park on Forgotten Island, return of cedar and salmon. Who are these men? These Johnnies come lately with plans to alter the river. What's this wild festival in May celebrating the runoff? Display folks on fire at night and a forest dance under the stars. Children sing through my locked door, old stranger. We're going to alter, to alter, alter the river, just when the water was settled and at home. My uh, time is up. I just want to tell you that uh, I'm very impressed with myself for being here. <laughs> My pleasure. That was Richard Hugo, recorded at the Library of Congress in 1975. The poems are used by permission of W.W. W. Norton. You've been listening to the Essential American Poets podcast, produced by the Poetry Foundation in collaboration with PoetryArchive.org. To learn more about Richard Hugo and other essential American poets, and to hear more poetry, go to poetryfoundation.org.